Welcome to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast, where facts, logic, and reasoning are at the forefront of every conversation. And in this episode, we're going to discuss men. Are you the CFO of your household? How do you manage your household finances? What is a CFO's responsibility in the home? Why is it important to have a CFO in the household? How often should you have a conversation about finances with your spouse? What are some things you can do to ensure financial stability in your household? So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we delve deep into this issue. Welcome back to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast. And as we just said in the intro, we're going to talk about men, are you the CFO of your household? Just to handle a few household little things that we're going to be before we get into this episode. I was recently on another podcast called Creating Greatness, which is hosted by Robert Prash. If you want to listen to that, it was the Championship Mindset Part 5 episode. There's also video of it if you have Spotify. And in addition, he has a YouTube channel, so you'll be able to watch the video on his YouTube channel. Just type in Creating Greatness Championship Mindset Part 5 and it should pop up. So if you want to check out my friend Robert Prash's podcast that I guessed was the guest on, feel free. Now, we're getting ready to talk about this particular subject. And one of the reasons why I did is I was reading a book that was done by Dr. Thomas Stanley and his daughter. And they, they mentioned this in the book, talking about having a CFO of the household. Dr. Stanley is the author who wrote The Millionaire Next Door. If you are not familiar with that book, it was written in the mid to late 90s. And he's did a few other spinoff books from that. Well, his the, this this particular book was one that was written with him and his daughter. And they talked about this concept of having a CFO actually in your household. So if you listen to it from a point, if you know from a company standpoint, CFOs are basically the chief financial officer. So when you're getting ready to you know, have a, if you're already married or you're getting ready to get married. And later we are going to talk about some things that you should ask a person prior to the marriage about their money, spending habits, debt. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But as a CFO, you have several responsibilities, which we are going to talk about here in this particular episode. But one thing that there's no right or wrong way per se to manage your household finances. I know some people who Split it up where one person pays certain bills, the other person pays the other certain bills. And then I know some people who rotated and alternated where I know where one year the wife might do it, the next year the husband might do it. There's a variety. There's no right or wrong way to do this per se. But what they were saying is if there was one person basically in charge, and this generally would probably be the person who's more fiscally responsible, they should be have, you know, total, uh, they should have a, a, Complete understanding of what is coming in house financially and what is leaving going out the house financially. And with that being the case, it would make it a lot easier. Sometimes it's better to have one person who basically, you know, manages a lot of a lot of the finances. But the other person can play a, a role into it as well. They just aren't at the forefront. They sort of might play a secondary role. I know sometimes people will look at it as, you know, you don't do it's an issue of trust sometimes. But I think if you're already at a point where you're married or you're getting married, the trust factor should have already been established. 
And if you do have trust issues with the person you're about to marry, you should not get married to them. If, if you're heading into that point where you're not quite sure. So we'll get into that a little bit, but let me give you a quick definition. Let me give you a definition of an actual CFO. And I think this is according to the book that they wrote. I don't know. I can't remember if I got that information exactly from the book or not, but this is what it says. It says a household CFO will oversee the household's budgeting and financial planning. He or she will be required to create, manage, create, manage, explain, defend, and negotiate household budgets annually, monitor the spending and saving related to said budget. They will be required to plan for the financial security and longevity of the family, focusing specifically on retirement planning, college savings, and other large expenses in the foreseeable future. Another thing that they'll be responsible for is balancing checkbooks, filing tax returns, paying bills on time, creating financial plans, creating uh, and establishing estate plans, research investments, modern investments, and generally run all financial matters in the household. The household CFO will also uh, can delegate to others, obviously, which would probably be the other spouse, on, on certain bills or different things that needs to be done. Now, that sounds like a whole lot. And it is, to be honest with you. It's, that is quite a bit. But if you're going to be married and you want to be a head of the household and you want to be you know, running finances or making sure that your family is in the most financially secure place that they can be in, this is what it takes. You don't have to be a financial planner or a financial advisor or a certified financial planner even. And just, a, just as a tidbit here, as a side note, please just take all this information that I'm saying as informational. I am not a financial advisor. I am not a financial planner or a certified financial planner. This is just information that I'm passing on to you. It's just it's based on informational basis. Please do not take anything that I say as gospel. You can do your own research yourself, but this is just to sort of give you an idea of what to do and what to expect if you're going to get married and be the financial CFO of your house. One study found that almost 65% of Americans feel money is somewhat or very significant source of stress in their lives. Stress, as we talked before, brings on a lot of negative emotions. So this is something money is really at the, is the majority reason or the main cause for all of this stuff to be happening in the first place. So these are some of the things that we have to kind of get in order, get, get under control per se. Now, what it says as a bare minimum you should do if you are going to be sort of a CFO is the first thing you need to do is find out what your net worth is. What is the household's experience with money? Can you afford something that you want to buy? And even if you can afford it, is this something that you should be buying in the first place? Those are some of the things that a CFO basically has to deal with. In addition to that, they are responsible for budgeting. Um, how, what, what, how important it is on how you spend money. If there's areas that you should cut back in. One thing that really trips people up that I'm looking at here on this list is when infrequent costs come up. Infrequent costs come up. Now, you've heard me say on this podcast before that over 40% of Americans can't afford a $400 repair in their household, a car, or anything like that, and over 52% of Americans can't afford a $1,000 repair. 
And so when these things happen, what I call them life events, when these life events occur, these infrequent costs, you are not budgeted for them. So as a CFO, you need to project out into the future for things like this that can occur and things like this that can happen. One of the best things that I could say for a CFO is that not only do they have to look at the short-term money that's coming in, but they also got to look in the long-term. Where are we going to be at as a family five years from now, seven years from now? Is our financial situation going to be significantly better than it was from, say, five or seven years ago? How important is it for us to make sure that our finances and our budget stays on track to where we don't get into a situation where we're spending more money than we're bringing in? If you've ever been in that situation, it can be a very uncomfortable situation. Uh, Be transparent. There was a period of time in my marriage where we were in a situation very similar to that. We were spending a little bit more than what we were taking in. However, it didn't last for a very long period of time. And we were able to get through it because I had projected out in the long term. And we were able to tap off of some of our savings to get through that difficult, difficult situation. And then when some more money started to come in, it basically went away. So it didn't last very long. When I say very long, it was just several months, but we were able to get through that situation and get right back on track to where we were without having to change a thing about our lifestyle, without having to change how much money we were saving. Everything still stayed the same. Now, one thing that they do recommend that you do pertaining to your finances, especially on the investing side of things is If you invest on a monthly basis, and you've heard me talk about this with Desmond, who is a a financial advisor who's been on the show three times, we've talked about this and we basically saying, try to make the money that you save and invest, make it automatic, where that money automatically comes right out of your checking account, right out of your check, and goes directly to the investment so you never actually see it. And let that money build up over the course of time. And as that money builds up over the course of time, and you're starting to get interest on it. You will find out that majority of the money that you put in over the course of a period of time, you will have made probably more in interest over the over time than you did your actual amount that you put in. And in that way, you're, you're playing with what they would say, sort of the house's money. Now, what should you do if you wanted to talk to a particular spouse or someone? What are some of the questions you should ask even before you get married? What are some of the questions you should be asking to a particular spouse or someone who you might be your spouse? How can you be honest about the debt? Well, prior to getting married and a conversation we were going to actually do, I was doing a talk on one of the apps I was doing a talk on. And one of the things we, we talked about was, should you even bring up money on a first date Should you even bring it up On a first date And the answer to that question Depends on Whether or not I guess it's, it's You're hitting it off Or you know Everything is sort of going well It's hard to really say But it's, There's no right or wrong Answer to that But But Your partner Whoever you're going to be In a relationship with Needs to know Your economic situation In advance You should not be bringing you're, if you have a, a negative or, or a bad economic situation, bad credit, whatever the case may be, you should not be bringing that into a marriage. So there's some questions that they recommend. These are the experts, not me. 
who recommend what you should do prior to getting mad. These are some of the questions that you should ask. Now, some of these questions seem like might seem like they're a little personal. But if you're going to be making a, essentially what we would consider to be a lifetime commitment to someone, I don't. I think that you, these are questions you probably need to have, have asked, or you know, need need an answer to, because this is something that's you know relatively serious. I mean, if we just said two thirds of American public have somewhat or a, a significant amount of uh, anxiety for because of their finances and their money, obviously this is something that we should be talking about. So listen to these questions, and then you can provide your own. You can you know think about it and give your own feedback or your thoughts about what they say here. And you, like I said, you may not agree with all of them, but I think they're, they're pretty much on point as far as I'm concerned. Maybe not every single one, but I think they're, they're, they're pretty good. How many credit cards do each of you have? And what are the balances? So if you do have credit card debt, you need to know what the balances were. And when I got married, I did have credit card debt, but after, well, actually, no. I paid it off prior to getting married, but it wasn't, it, I didn't owe a whole lot at that time. It, I want to say it was under, under like a thousand, or no, under $1,500, but I did pay it off prior to the marriage. Do you pay your bills on time or do you have collectors coming after you? Seems obvious, but that's something you definitely need to find out. If a person is in collection on any bill, you need to find that out prior to a marriage because that's going to be very, very important. So do you have to pay your bills on time? The reason why you want to make sure a person pays their bills on time because one third of your credit score is literally paying your bills on time. So you don't want to necessarily marry someone who has bad credit because you will be the primary responsibility on if you got if you and the, the person can get a loan. So you want both people to have good credit just in case. You know, you never know what could happen. So that's something that's a very good question to ask. How long do you expect it to take to settle any outstanding debt that you have? So if you get into a marriage and that person wasn't transparent with you and it might take them three or four years to settle some outstanding debt, you have to be okay with that if, if that amount is, is being paid off on a consistent basis, meaning they're paying it on time and there's no issue. Is it going to affect the household? Is that going to affect the household, which we're going to get to here in a second? What is your situation in regards to credit? Are you okay with having credit card balances every month? And if you are, how much, how, how, how high is the interest rate on the cards? How much debt do you want to carry? So do you want to have you know, some people will carry five, ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars worth of credit card debt. They'll carry that, and that'll be the balance, and they'll keep that balance going for a while. So, some people live like that, and you have to, as the CFO of the house, you have to determine if that's good business practice for the overall safe and uh, health and safety of the family financially. What are your spending habits? How much money do you save or plan to save each month? Again, this is something that you need to have that conversation with prior to the marriage. And are there any other financial obligations from a previous marriage, such as alimony or child support, that that person should know about? Now, all of that being put out there and all of that being said, the CFO 
has to be able to track all of that stuff. Now there's very there's nowadays we have spreadsheets. There's some software that's available that you can use. There's apps now that are available that you can do and monitor a lot of this stuff on your smartphone. And you can keep track of, you know, different bills and everything that you have. And it makes it a little bit easier than it was, I would say, maybe 10 or 20 years ago, because you can track everything pretty easily and carry around with you with your mobile device. So it makes it it's not quite as difficult as it used to be. Now, if you're the CFO of the household. You need to have a long-term plan. In order to be a very good CFO in your household, you need to have a long-term plan. And what do I mean by that? You need to be able to, you need to be able to project into the future, project into the future, where you want the family to be five to 10 years from now. Now, if there's children involved, and you do have the finances or the resources to put money aside for college, you should be able to do that. And you should be able to track that money that you're putting away towards college. It may not be enough to pay for the entire college, but any money that you save today is money that you will not have to pay tomorrow. So if you got enough saved for maybe two of the four years of the college education that it may take for your child to graduate, that's half of the money will not have to be borrowed. So anytime you can do that, that's always a good thing. So a CFO has to be go beyond just the day-to-day spending. They have to project into the future. When I say project into the future, we're looking at maybe five to seven years. So you want to kind of do things in a five to seven year increment. One of the experts says, take short-term finances and put it into a long-term picture. So every single thing that you're doing, like I said, you're saving for college, you're investing your, your money for retirement, you're investing money for just other different, different things that you will have the money going in there for. It could be uh, saving for something, you know, that the house might want or need. And all of that stuff needs to be, all of that needs to be put into a long-term plan. You, if you're going through uh, these type of situations, it's very, very important to project out in the future, specifically when there's children in the house and everyone is, is uh, relying on a CFO to get this right. So if you do have a long-term plan in place, it'll make things a lot easier. So when I was talking about that $1,000 repair, if you put money away and put it in a savings account somewhere and what they call emergency fund money, meaning for stuff like this that you're not expecting to come up. If you do this, when these things come up, it, you won't battle, it, it'll be very easy to take care of it and repair it and get it back working without having to use your charge card. As you know, charge card interest rates can go all the way up to high, you know, 18, 25, 24%, 25%, very high numbers. And if you don't have to use them in order to take care of something, a bill or something that you owe or, or one of these unexpected repairs that come up, that's the better it is for you. The better it is for you. How often should you meet with your family and explaining to them their financial situation? Should it just be with your spouse or should you have the children involved? Well, I would say with your spouse, you want to let them know what's going on as often as possible. Some people say quarterly, biannually. 
Some people just do it annually. But let them know this is where we're at. This is how much money we got saved. This is what we're, we're, we're doing. This is where we're, you know, this is our goal for the next five years. Have a house meeting. If your children are getting a little bit older, when I say a little bit older, I'm starting to reach that adolescent age where they'll be able to understand it a little bit. You can include them in it to, a, to an extent and explain to them like, you know, how sometimes kids want certain things. If they get an idea of how much money you have in a budget and how much you're budgeting, that will give them an idea. Well, I don't know if the family can afford it or not afford it or, you know, things to that effect. And they'll get to see. It's a good idea to sort of get them somewhat involved and see how exactly you have to pay your bills and your finances and how important it is to get that stuff under control because they can take those habits into adulthood with them and then they will develop good habits and have good strong credit and will be able to establish their, their own credit score when they, will, they won't need to be borrowing from you. So you want, as a parent, you want to try and get them to be as independent financially as they can be. So that's something to take into consideration when you're, when you're doing these family things, and these, these, these long-term projections, as they would say. So making sure that you have you know, your family involved, letting them know that this is what we're trying to do. These are some of the things that we want to try and get over the next few years. This is where we want to be. This is where we want to be five to seven years out. And have the skills set in place. If you are going to get married and you're planning on marrying someone and you want to have a relationship that's going to last and thrive, as a man, you should have some basic knowledge of financial planning and financial personal finance and investing. Sometimes men, we're very good at earning the money. So we'll go out to the house, you know, we'll go out, we'll earn the money and then we'll bring home the check and so a lot of times we just hand it over to our wives. Okay, pay all the bills, <laughs> you know, and that's fine and all. But as a man, you should have some basic knowledge on how to do some of these things without just turning your check over. And I had a friend of mine who I've known for a while, before, you know, for a while. And he does exactly what I just said. He makes the money. He brings it home, hands it over to his wife. She takes care of everything. So she's the CFO of the house. He doesn't really think about it much. But the reason why you should have some basic knowledge or some some level of understanding is because if something was to happen to that person, you won't know what to do because you've been totally relying on them to take care of those type of things. So you have to have some basic knowledge on what to do, whether it's the man or the woman. So as the man, if you have to you have to have some skill set or ability in this area. If you want to, you know, bring children into this world and want to be financially responsible and make sure your credit is good and, you know, ultimately be able to afford to buy a house and, you know, establish that long term equity when you can pass off, pass along generational wealth, which is what I did discuss with Desmond Douglas on the last episode he came on when he was promoting his book. I think that one's called Men, Money and Scripture. So check that episode out if you get a chance. Managing. Your household cash flow, what's coming in versus what's going out is very, very important. Figuring out what your net worth is. Why is net worth so important? Basically, net worth is pretty simple. You just take all your assets on one side, on the left side, and put all your liabilities, which are things that you owe. Your assets is things that you own. Liabilities is things that you owe. You just draw a line down the middle of the paper, write it down there. You add it all up, 
Whatever that number comes out on the asset side, you subtract it from the liability side, and that will equal your net worth. Now, why is that so important to do? Because sometimes in certain instances, you will find out that you have a negative net worth, meaning you owe more than what you own, what you have. You're, you're in the hole. You're in the, in the red, as they say. And you need to turn that around. And how do you do that? By managing your household income, managing your cash flow, what's going in versus what's going out. Super, super important. If you think about it from this, this standpoint, if you do a poor job, if you're constantly with a negative net worth, you're doing a poor job, that means you got more money going, pretty much going out than you have coming in. You have to reverse that tide because if not, that number generally won't get smaller to get bigger if it lasts for any extended period of time. So if we're talking about months, years, it can last a long time if you don't stem the tide. So it's very, very important to put all of that into perspective when you're going to be that CFO of your house, which is the chief financial officer. A lot of responsibility goes into this position. So if you, and last thing I just want to discuss and touch real quick, if you're a man and you don't have hardly any experience managing money, because like I said, we don't, there's no financial, personal finance classes being taught in K through 12 and even in college, if for say, if it is, it's an elective class, it's not required. It's you need you might need to get some um, take some classes, maybe some classes that they might offer at a community college, just like as a, you know, it's sort of like, you know, how they have those classes where you can just go and you don't get necessarily college credit for them, but they teach you certain things. And these these type of classes are very, very important. And if you can at least get some of that basic knowledge, it'll help you as you go forward in your future. And learn, maybe even, like I said, utilize some of these software and apps that's available for you. Have it sort of tracked automatically. The numbers will automatically come out as you put certain things in. Set up your bill payment where it's automatic. The money automatically comes out of your check. That way you will be paying your bills on time because they're automatically coming out and you don't have to worry about writing checks and different things like that. Those are two things I would probably say if you have very little experience being a, a, a financial person in the house or, or a personal finance guy, if you do those two things, your credit score will be good and you'll be able to save a little bit of money towards your future. So with that being said, we're about to wrap up. I didn't want to make this episode too long, but I did want to make sure and put it out there. I think it's important for men to be the financial CFO in their household. And if they are not, and it's a woman, you need to have a basic knowledge about how money works how much money is coming in and going out of your household. So we're going to wrap up at this point in time. And I just want to continue to thank the audience who have been tuning in and listening. I really appreciate it. Like I said, go check out my friend Robert Prash's podcast, Creating Greatness, which I was an, uh, a guest on the Championship Mindset Part 5. Just go ahead and watch that. You could, If you want to watch it, watch it on Spotify. If you want to if you have YouTube and you don't have Spotify, it is on YouTube. Just type that in the, the search bar, Creating Greatness Championship Mindset Number Part 5, and you'll get to see the video of that particular episode. So with that being said, we're about to wrap up. And I just, again, lastly, I want to continue to say thank you to the audience. We'll continue to deliver this content on a weekly basis. And we are out. <laughs>